On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, I've got Alex Bean. So for me personally, there's two things. One is like, I, so I'm married, I have a couple kids, and it's like, for me, that's my check. It doesn't matter if I'm got the crappiest job in the world or the best job in the world, if I'm rich or poor. Being able to go home and just spend time with my family, that level sets everything. The bad days, the good days, it's just like a check of like, that's what matters. So for me, that's, uh, that's important. The other thing is, you know, get time in for yourself. So for me, I mountain bike in the summer in the morning or, or I'll go golfing. Alex, thanks for making time. Hey, thanks, Jess. Looking forward to it. So um, besides the uh, big announcement here on Wednesday of raising another $200 million. Uh, you say another. We didn't do a first 200, but yeah, it was pretty exciting. Is that 245 total now? Okay. So for people who don't know Divi, can you give us the elevator pitch on Divi and then same thing on your background? Yeah. Uh, so Divi real quick, we've been around for like three and a half years and really been in the market for about a year and a half. So not that long, but we sell, or actually don't sell, we, we build a product that allows customers, specifically a small and medium sized businesses to spend smarter. So it's like a corporate card mixed with Expensify, mixed with the bill.com and really kind of bring it all together. And it's a platform that allows you to see things in real time and kind of automate the, the ugly parts of the finance process. So, um, and then from my background, yeah, I'm from Seattle. I uh, moved to Salt Lake about three and a half years ago, really just before Divi. Uh, been in the, the tech landscape for, I think this is my fourth startup. So not always from the ground up. Usually I join, you know, kind of a smaller group, but uh, so I've been doing these startup sprints for a while and it's, it's fun to be kind of at the, at the front end of this one. So it's been fun. So um, not a lot of folks have raised a 200 million bucks. Can you give anybody a lesson learned? How was this different than, than the last couple of raises or what kind of insight was, was different about this time? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I wouldn't say that the, the raise of, you know, a couple million versus like, you know, tens of millions versus a 200 million was fundamentally that much different. It's just a little bit more due diligence. Obviously, the, the legal paperwork's a little bit uh, heavier. Um, but fundamentally, it's the same thing. You tell your story. You got to know your numbers. You got to know exactly you know what your weaknesses are, how you're going to fix those weaknesses, what your go-to-market strategy is. At the end of the day, all VC really wants to know is if I give you this dollar, how do you turn it into 10? If you can answer that question when you're smaller, you can answer that question when you're bigger and just do the same thing. I love it. What do you think is, um, as you're looking back at Divi, what do you think has been the biggest lesson you've learned so far? I mean, it's been really fast in a lot of great ways and what have been some maybe lessons learned both challenges yeah, so like, do you want challenges yeah. like i'll give you the western two of like hey we nailed it here but yeah. i'll also tell you like we really didn't nail it here yeah uh, so i don't we start where we didn't nail it um i would say there there have been times we, we probably hired faster than than we should have in terms of a seniority role so like we started the company we had like a cmo day one and like two months into it, we're like, well, what are we doing? Like, we don't have a product. Like, why do we have a CMO? Uh, and we've made that 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 mistake uh, early on a few times. And so I think we've gotten better at it. Now it's probably tilted the other way where we probably have to get better at hiring more and more senior people. Um, but I would say fundamentally, it's as you're a startup and learning what your growth rate is and your path, figuring out who your key hires are. When do you make a key hire? Because you can do it too slow, but you can also do it too fast. And that's probably the teeter-totter balance that we're, we're still trying to figure out. 
some of the things we've done really well, uh, pretty customer focused. And what I'm like, let's let's take Jeff Bezos as like the perfect example of like it's about the customer. But you look at Amazon, and fundamentally, where they're at today is because 10, 15 years ago they weren't making money, and they were doing everything in their power to create this like no-brainer customer experience. And if we get this customer and they like us, then man, for the next 30, 40 years, we can do incredible stuff. And I'll give a lot of credit to Blake, my partner. Um, but together it was like, how do we make our offering no brainer? So huge challenge was like giving people credit. Uh, you have to underwrite people. There's a lot of risk. There takes a lot of complexity. takes a lot of money from us. So we were giving up equity, giving up time to not do the shortcut route of like a debit card or a cash card. And for us, it was a super important because now it's a no brainer for customers. They get credit. It's free. You know, they get all these things. And I think we nailed it. I think we did the smart thing there by, by choosing to go, you know, do whatever it takes to make it a no-brainer for the customer. You know, one thing that I think, uh, I remember when we first met and you started explaining all the things it did. At first I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when I found out, like, of all the ways to essentially pre-plan your expenses and not have a worry about giving a card to another employee, yeah. that's where, like, the light clicked on for me. Yeah. For people who don't understand specifically that service, can you give people just a couple more details on what that looks like? Yeah, actually, this would be so. You said when the light clicked on. I think one of the my favorite things about Diddy is like I can pitch someone and just tell them again, not pitch, but just like, hey, here's what we do, and you can see the click. There, and it might be a different click. We probably have four different things where it clicks. But I think what you're what you're asking me to explain is we've built like we basically took a credit card and said we were going to allow you to give a credit card to everyone on your team. So as they're spending, everyone on the team, from employee to manager to finance, sees what's happening. You could you can't do that, and, you know, if they're using a personal card and turning in an expense report. But with Divi, you can set a budget. Five of you can go to Vegas. Everyone sees everything. There's no expense report. And I think once you go through that experience, you're like, oh, this this is incredible. I'm not like hoping I stay under budget. Like I'm staying under budget. So that that's you know one of the things that people click on. So what's one of the other aha moments for people when when you're talking about it and. Maybe they're not that impressed yeah. and then all of a sudden they get really interested. You know, it is funny because sometimes you explain like the one aha moment, you're waiting for the light to click and it doesn't. And you're like, oh, dang, I usually get them here. Uh, another one is, is pretty cool is, is virtual cards. So right now, if you're a small business, you take your Amex card and you use it for everything, right? Every single Google, Facebook, Adobe, etc. So you have all these purchases, but you have one card number. So it's pretty insecure. And frankly, like that vendor can charge you as much as your credit has. So you can create a virtual card for one vendor and basically say, okay, that vendor, you only have this much money to spend. And I can block transactions that are over what I thought they were going to be. I can guarantee that if they get hacked, it's just one card I flip out. I don't have to replace all 50 of my other vendors. And that's really impactful if you're a small business owner and you're worried about your personal information getting out there. You're trying to make sure that you stay in your budget. It's pretty, it's pretty slick. That's probably my favorite feature. We just even had uh, a vendor that we were working with and we didn't renew our contract with them. Yep. And so I just turned off the virtual card in Divi. And then two weeks later, they were like, oh, we accidentally ran, tried to run your card again, even though we canceled. I was like, well, you couldn't because I'd already canceled it. And so, if you'd been using your other card, oh, they, they would have ran it. Yeah. And then you would have had to like call and try to figure it out. Yeah. We actually have a customer. He specifically does virtual cards on the annual contracts for a reason. He wants it oh, to yeah. decline. Because it's like a reminder to be like, oh, do I still want this? Do I still pay for yeah. this? And I think it's interesting with the SaaS economy, every single vendor out there from your cable to your internet to every single product is saying, oh, just give us a free trial. Give us your credit card. And really, it's because they want you to kind of forget about it. Yeah. And then it just like sits. And, and with virtual cards, you can you can get, get a little bit more control on it. So for folks running other organizations, yeah. what are some 
like if you were to extract the the principles of customer focus, what are those to you that maybe could be applied to other industries? So here's what that means for us. Like when we do, when we think of what product are we going to build or how much is this going to cost or we, we, we don't say, well, what's convenient to us? What's convenient to the business? Oh man, it'd be easier if we just did this or if we charged them this much. We really say like, what's, what's, how's the customer going to react? Meaning when we give it to them, are they going to say, oh, nah, this is tough? Or are they going to be like, oh, this is amazing. This is a no-brainer. If we can't say it's a no-brainer and we can't say it's it's delightful, then, then we have a hard time shipping that. So where so many folks would completely subscribe to that, you know, but talk is cheap. Talk, yeah, talk is cheap. And I'll tell, yeah, we've, we've lost our shorts in some stuff. But my question is, um, what kind of thing do you have for an internal gut check of, are we actually living these principles or what, how do you help? I mean, yeah. you guys, what do you have 200 staff out here now? Yeah. So, I mean, by the way, you can use internal, but like you can call two cut three customers and immediately know if you're totally off base, right? Like just, but you have to talk to them or at least you have to honestly put yourselves in their shoes and be like, okay, if I were them, what would I say? So interesting enough, when we started to be most or probably our first like 30 customers were my friends and family, there's nothing more naked than like giving your product to friends and family who are now paying for it, right? Or now using it in their business. So it's not just, they can't just say they like it. They, they can literally text you and be like, Hey, this is a really bad experience. Uh, and I think that there's just an honesty of like, you have to be naked in front of the customer and whether you do that through uh, a survey or I would suggest like talking to them, you can hear it. You can see it in their face. And when you say, Hey, I'm going to offer you this and you can see like a question mark, what? Like, that's weird. Or you can see the difference. Like, oh, yeah. Like if their eyes light up, if their questions come. And I think you just have to be willing to just be naked, which means being like honest with the reception of what they say to you. By the way, a lot of people, you're right, talk is cheap. A lot of people say that. But like you have to have people on your teams that are willing to do that and reporting back to management teams. Because management's super easy to be like, well, here we are in our management meeting. We're going to decide to do this. You bring that out to the customer and have that come back. It's a different conversation. Yeah, going along with that, and I think that's such an such an interesting point. Uh, when you look at, I think it's always a fine line in a in a startup in a company of like you kind of have to get people to drink the Kool Aid a little bit because you want them to be excited about what you're doing and passionate and see the vision, but also to do what you just said takes a little bit of like, hey, we we need you to be honest. We need you to tell us when we're messing up. How do you encourage that kind of a culture or build that kind of a culture that actually? is people, willing to say we're not doing this well. People are never honest if they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. So for example, you go tell your friends you're going to start something with an idea. I, I 100% guarantee they're all going to say that's a great idea uh, all the time. Now ask them to invest in your company. Now ask them to buy your product. Different conversation, right? And it could be $5. Down. Like It doesn't have to be much, but once you ask for the wallet to come out, it brings up honesty. Uh, and I would say like that's where the rubber meets the road. Create an idea. Go tell any friend about it, and they're gonna be like, "Dude, that's a, that's a that's a great idea." Then say, "Hey, will you pay me a hundred dollars for it?" And then they're gonna be like, "Well, I mean, you know, maybe not." And I think that's where it's like that's what you have to. That's honesty. Yeah, that's awesome. As you guys look at your growth, what do you think uh, has been the key factor in, in making that happen? Like, I think as you look at how quickly. Uh, Divi has grown and, and I'm sure for you it hasn't been as quick because you were working on it for years to get it to the yeah. point where you could launch it what do you think is the key to that success so what's the key to our growth yeah um, yeah so we did spend you know three years two and a half years really building it out and kind of prepping it for, for this growth 
Um, we really went out and tried to build something that, again, that we felt could scale and was a no-brainer, as I said. So we we're kind of prepping for the growth the whole time. I wouldn't say there's like a specific key. I think going back to that teeter-totter of like who to hire and when to hire, um, we've hired awesome people at the right times, I feel, in the last year and a half. So guys like Woody, uh, our VP of sales, Sterling Snow, our head of marketing and, and, and growth. Um, and now they're just you know great leaders. It's like if you bring in great people, they're the ones that actually help you scale. I mean, Blake and I obviously are still very involved, but we're still working on vision and strategy. The scalers are your are your hires that come in and really take the company to the next level. How do you think, as you look at that, like people being the key to the, your growth and and what you've been able to accomplish? How do you encourage or create uh, a culture where great people want to come in? Uh, want to be involved and are and are really excited about what you yeah. guys are How do you recruit great people? Right, I mean that's yeah. the question. Yeah, um, it is not easy, right? Great people have a lot of great choices, so that's the first thing you have to realize. Um, also, sometimes, and I think Qualtrics has set a pretty good bar here too. You have to be picky, meaning like you if to hire someone great, they don't come along every second. So you have to say no to some really good people to wait for the great people. Uh, and I think, you know, so one is you have to have patience. You also have to know what great means. So define that to you. Like, what does great mean? Because some people are going to be great in specific skill sets and maybe not other things, right? So it depends on what your company's looking for. That could dictate the hire that is great. Meaning you might hire someone that's great for your company, but it doesn't necessarily mean that person's always great for another company, depending on cultures, depending on uh, products and fits, uh, timing. Um, but yeah, I think you got to know what great means and go find that person, be willing to be patient for it. Yeah. What do you think people are not asking themselves when they're, when they're talking themselves into how great everything's going to be? What do you think they're not asking themselves? Like when they're going to start a company or just go to a different company? Yeah. Like startup founders. Okay. What are they not asking themselves? I honestly do think. So uh, I've started a lot of dumb ideas. So I'll be very clear on this. Um, everyone, as I said earlier, will be your friend and say it's a good idea. And I think like what you're not asking yourself is like, okay, am I, have I tested this thoroughly? Meaning like has someone who, have I asked them to spend real money on what I'm doing? Have they given it, right? Until they've actually passed the dollar over. So I think there's just always that, oh, people love what I'm doing. This is great. And then they spend the next six months going down that path before they've actually asked for a wallet to be opened. Uh, and that money's been shared. I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make. The other thing I would say is when you're starting an idea and, and you're really going to go for it, meaning you're starting an idea to start a company, it's a, it's a lot of work. And you got to ask yourself, are you emotionally prepared? Are you physically prepared? Are you mentally prepared? And everything's going to take twice as long and cost twice as much. So just, you know, you, you got to prepare yourself for that, for that fight because it's going to be a fight. Looking at the opposite end when, when things start to really go well, because if I remember, you guys have had like, I mean, issued like $1.6 billion in credit or something. Yeah. What's, when you start, you know, when you go from the garage and your buddy and the idea to now you start, you know, dealing with numbers of this size, w what changes in your mind or what, what do you think folks might be unprepared for? So I'm going to answer, uh, I'm going to answer something first and then get to that one. So my, this is my famous quote in Divi, by the way, this is, uh, things are never as good as they seem and they're never as bad as they seem. So there are times where and I can go through some specific experiences where like, oh shoot, we're not going to make it. Like it's over, like wrap it up, tell my wife, I got to look for a job, you know, like it's done, but it's like, just can breathe. There's a, there's going to be a solution to this problem. Let's go figure it out. But at the same time, right? Like we had a big announcement this week, 200 million. 
you know, texts from everyone I know. And it's awesome. But at the same time, we have a list of fires we're trying to put out. This, you know, like, you know, after this podcast, I got to go meet with the group to try to solve a big problem that we have. And so it's kind of like, always just be level headed uh, when you're in a startup. It's a roller coaster. And if you try to ride the roller coaster of ups and downs too much, it's not for you. You have to be fairly level headed and sometimes naive on both the good and the bad. Um, Is there anybody that you read or follow or sets an example? Like, are you into the Stoics or who, who helps you think like that? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, I, it's not like an author. I don't think I followed like an author. I mean, Jason Lemkin was a guy I did read for a long time, really liked his stuff. And there's some other really get, great thought leaders like to Malcolm Gladwell, but I don't think that's where I would attribute that thought process. My family's full of entrepreneurs, um, from like great grandpa to grandpa to parents and brothers. Uh, and I think it's just watching them and other close friends go through it and just like the temperament of those that succeed. It's not the people that when they get too high, they start, you know, they get arrogant, they get cocky, they kind of, you know, uh, it's a sports analogy, frankly, of like those people that feel like they've made it before they've made it. Because again, we raised 200. That doesn't mean we've made it. It means actually we have a lot of work ahead of us. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of keeping that perspective on things. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that, that I've seen in my own experience that's so hard to remember is I think, uh, especially in American culture, we have this view of entrepreneurs being very like hot headed and very like er erratic. Um, but actually just this week I was reading about Ev Williams who started uh, medium and blogger and, and everyone was kind of talking about how, how level he is. Um, how do you, uh, so, so kind of two questions. You had a second part that you said you wanted to get to earlier and want to make sure you got I couldn't there. remember the question that Jess asked <laughs> me, so I didn't answer the second part. It was, it was something about what founders aren't asking themselves or what are they not prepared for? Is that yeah. what it was? Something like yeah. that. So what, yeah. What are they not expecting when you start getting into the bigger numbers and the, your, your opportunity is much, it's bigger. It's real. It's like people have been asking me about it. Like, Oh, you know, this is exciting. And it's like, actually on one hand it is because it's everything we wanted to have happen is happening. Like that's incredible. Yeah. Like what a journey. And on the other hand, it's like, Oh, now it's real. You know, like now the problem is real, right? The the issues are bigger and the, there's more staff to deal with. So it's, it's everything just kind of magnifies as, as you get into bigger scale. And I would imagine it's the same as you keep going higher and higher and higher. It's like, the same problems like Jeff Bezos is having the same problems startup founders are just at a much greater magnitude than, than, than they are so yeah it's bigger bets how do you uh how do you now emotionally prepare for that you were talking earlier about being ready to start a business now that you're looking at like man I, I have I, you just jumped up a huge order of magnitude yep how are you prepping yourself mentally emotionally to handle that uh, yeah, uh, from this is for me personally. I don't since I, Wednesday, yeah, since yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. How's my life changed all since of, Wednesday? Well, frankly, I was like hours. in meetings all day Wednesday. I didn't really have time to celebrate. I was traveling in Boston, and yeah, so hasn't even really hit me. But yeah. um, so for me personally, there's two things. One is like I so I'm married. I have a couple kids, and it's like for me that's my check. It doesn't matter if I'm got the crappiest job in the world or the best job in the world. If I'm rich or poor, being able to go home and just spend time with my family. That level sets everything. The bad days, the good days, it's just like a check of like, that's what matters. So for me, that's uh, it's important. The other thing is, you know, get time in for yourself. So for me, I mountain bike in the summer in the morning or, if, or I'll go golfing, uh, you know, at 6, 6.30 in the morning. And it's like those, those things allow you to just like level check. And again, if I go golfing at 6 in the morning and it's a, it was a good day yesterday or it was a bad day, it doesn't really matter. It just allows me to like recheck. I'm like, hey, this is what makes me happy. Let's, let's go do this. Go back into the fire and show up for work and... Battle for another day. 
Yeah, that's great. When you think about just your own personal lessons or your own, uh, like some issue you're passionate about or some subject of growth that, that matters to you that maybe people don't ask about all the time, is there anything that comes to mind of like, man, this is, this is one that I like to talk about, or this is one that's meant the most to me that maybe doesn't come up all the time. Hmm. Uh, so are you saying in business or without a business, just anything I'm passionate anything. about? Oh man, I'm really passionate about my business. <laughs> that's the problem. That's but, okay. Uh, I would honestly say like for me, yeah, there's not some other like third cause or, or thing that I I'm, I'm super passionate about for me. It really is about build, building something great. Um, and Blake and I, my partner have talked about this a lot. It's not about the money. It's about building just an awesome company that like, that to me is what I want. That's what I want my quote unquote legacy to be would be like, oh, that's an awesome company that people loved working for us. We built an awesome company together. People were rewarded for it and our customers were happy. That's honestly like my passion because I, I actually love what we're doing. So when I work for 14 hours a day, it's, I'm, I'm okay with that. So besides Bezos and Amazon, who else do you look up to in that kind of a legacy? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, man, I do love Bezos. I do love Musk. Mainly because they're a little crazy. Like, they don't do everything perfect, like 100%. Like, you know, they do some crazy stuff. But, like, they're also willing to just, like, get rid of the status quo. And be like, why are you guys thinking about roads? It should be underground tunnels. I'm like, yeah, that's a good, like, why not, you know? Or, like, why can't we have spaceships that go to Mars? And I, frankly, to be a startup founder, to be a, a real startup founder, you're going to be a little nuts. So for me, it's I, I like the people that are a little nuts and, and basically take some big swings because that's who changes the world. I mean, that, that's who changes and gets us outside of our way of thinking and says, oh, wait a minute, why can't we do it that way? And then to have the audacity to go do it, that's awesome. So anyone who follows that suit, and there's a lot of people that follows, follow that path. Yeah. Well, I know we're kind of wrapping up part one of the interview here. Um, one of my favorite questions is just asking people, uh, what do you think is some of the best advice you've ever received? Um, so good habits go a long way. That's probably a really good piece of advice that I received actually from my partner, Blake, his dad, Mike, um, gave me that advice a long time ago and it's, it's treated me well. Love it. Everybody please tune back in for part two of our interview with Alex. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy, uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano. I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.